Welcome to the Ty Odom Podcast. I'm your host, Ty Odom. I am a social worker who has always worked in the nonprofit sector. And along the way, I noticed that many people have the desire to help the community, but just didn't know how to get started. And that's where I come in. From volunteering to starting a nonprofit, this podcast will help you learn how to use your time, talent, and treasure to live out your dreams of helping others. Bi-weekly, I'll bring on a guest that I believe you will find helpful, inspiring, and whose journey can teach us about service. Rather, you're just getting started or you're an experienced leader. This inclusive philanthropy space will bring creative ideas, simple strategies, and resources to help you along your journey. Between our guest and my many years of experience, here we help you develop the confidence you need to tap into your inner philanthropist and unlock the immense power that we all have to serve. Thanks so much for tuning in and welcome to the podcast. Hello, everybody. My name is Ty Odom, and I am the host of the United Philanthropy Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening this first episode of the podcast. And I'm a lot excited. I would say I'm a little, but I'm a lot excited. And I have a really, really special guest who decided to be the first. So I commend him and I thank him. And uh, he's my boss. Like this podcast is my on the weekend thing. And my Monday through Friday is I am the director of resource development for Potter's House. And Sean Schwartzman is the co-founder. And he has accepted my invitation to be my very first guest. So, Sean, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being a guest on the podcast. You said I picked to be the first, but you picked me to be the first. So thank you. I couldn't have made this decision without you. So thanks for honoring me to be the first. Well, you're right. Thank you for that. Yeah. I did. And I want to tell you why, because, and this is like me, like completely surprising, Sean, y'all. I wanted to tell you why, because I wanted to publicly thank you. I think I've thanked you a little bit in private, but when I met you, I was like going through this thing in life and I didn't know where it was going to go. And oh gosh, we're like one minute in. And um, I had been a stay-at-home mom for woo, seven years or so, kind of off and on working, staying in the field, staying abreast of things, but not necessarily working full-time outside of my home. And so I had been on a bunch of interviews. I mean, people would interview me left and right. And I would go on two and three interviews and they would make me like do all the things. And I'm like, hey, I just want to remind you, this is not like a million dollars a year salary. <laughs> right. And um, so you and I met and we like had one interview and then we had another interview. And then at this point, life is happening. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I might be at McDonald's if this goes to the left. And so you call me again and you actually had went on vacation. I think you and Miss Anita went to Florida and you called me and you were like, I just have a couple more questions. And at this point we're on like interview three plus some extra questions. And I'm like, and I kept saying, Hey, it's another interview. <laughs> it's another interview. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I just don't even know if this is going left or if it's going right. I'm not really sure, but I'm just going to sit still. I'm not going to panic. I'm just going to sit still. Like that was a like sit still moment for me not to be discouraged because I had a lot of interviews, but to think that this could really be a good fit because I had a lot of interviews. So I I stopped thinking that a lot of interviews were a bad thing. It was more so of a, let me see if we're a good fit for you. And let me see if we believe you could be a good fit for us. And so here I was like about to have one of the biggest life changes you can have. And you call me and you said like, I want 
to offer you the job and you're like, I was going to type up a, a letter, like an actual like offer, an actual letter, offer yeah. letter, but I don't really want to fool you. That's not really how we operate here. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And so I wanted to thank you. And I wanted mm-hmm. to thank you for believing in the work that I've already done. I'm in for believing that I have what it takes to help your organization grow and to expand. And for this past eight months of our budding professional and personal relationship. Mm -hmm. One of the things at Potter's House is that we do life together. And that literally is what we do as a team in a lot of ways. So before we get started, before you guys dive into getting to know me, that's a little bit about me, but I wanted you to know why I value Sean so much. And I thank him for the opportunity to work at Potter's House, but more so get to know you, get to know your wife, get to know your adorable family. Miss Mia Grace. Oh, I don't know if I should have said her name, but say her name. Miss yep. Mia Grace. Yep. So thank you. So I yeah. wanted to do that and to actually thank you for that. Well, thanks for saying it. But yeah. it was nothing more than us being blessed to find the perfect person for the job. I mean, that that's all the interview that it was not a, oh, feel sorry for any. You know that it, I know, you in didn't all of our know, interviews. Right? Yeah, didn't know. <laughs> and in all of our interviews, it was, hey, we're this is a fit. We want to make sure for you and for us and the eight month we're going to sit in my living room and cry to this is us season finale yes. and have fun in the office. So it's, it's been a blessing on our side too. So thanks. Yes. Okay. Yep. So that's all the emotional stuff. Okay. Yeah. We're yeah. going to tell you why Sean is actually here. So you've heard us say Potter's No more house. emotions. Now it's just all facts and figures facts, from here on figures, out. All, yep. the, all yep. the stuff you guys have been waiting for. Uh, so you've heard us say Potter's house. If you are in not Nashville, Fayetteville, Arkansas, you probably think Potter's house and you think thrift store initially. So we do have thrift stores. That's a part of our business model. It's a part of our job training. Um, But we do a couple other things. So I would love for Sean to share with us um, a little bit about the history of Potter's House because we did not start as a thrift store. So if you'll just let our guests know a little bit about how you got started, how Miss Anita, who is your wife, helped you co-found this organization. Absolutely. I'll go back a little bit before just to give a little history. I grew up here in Northwest Arkansas. I was born and raised here. And my wife, Anita, uh, moved here in kindergarten. So she pretty much was born and raised here as well. And growing up here, we got to see the community, got to obviously love our community here. And then fast forward to when I was about 21, uh, Anita, 21, 22, something like that, maybe even a little bit younger. No, actually probably 19, 20, somewhere in there. And she was doing her master's degree in South Fayetteville and where it was at the school that had the highest percentage of free and reduced lunch. And I was in between college time. I had stopped going to school. I had just started following Jesus and his teachings and understanding who he is. And we met a family that, well, we met a 12-year-old girl and then we met her family. And then we met other people in the community that absolutely changed our life. And what happened in short is we got to know more of our full community. Mm -hmm. And I think when you get to know, and in that, 
we also think, you know, a lot of people would say in Potter's House, and I'm fast forward and I'm kind of bouncing around, but a lot of people would say Potter's House is bringing Jesus to the community or helping that kind of stuff. And in a lot of ways, I think the community is helping us know Jesus. And it's been been really, really neat. And so we got to know this family. We got to know the community around them. And we realized, man, there's some things here that we need to be involved in. And I think if you get to know the full community around us, you're, you're better off for it. So that's what, honestly, that's what started Potter's House. So Potter's Mm -hmm. House, the start of it was relationships and it has continued to be relationships to this point at the center of everything that we do. And so, yeah, that's, that was the beginning of Potter's House. One thing that um, I've experienced is people have this idea because they want to do something. They're like, I want to start a nonprofit. I just want to, I know that I can do good work. I know that I have a mission. I know that I'm supposed to do this. And so previously I would tell people, find another way to get connected, find a way to do the work without necessarily starting an organization. So the history of Potter's House, where you guys just started building this relationship with this family. And for, was it seven years that you guys kind of did the work before you became an actual entity? You even went through a stage of fiscal sponsorship. So fiscal sponsorship is where a uh, someone or a group of people take a charitable idea and they work under someone else's tax exemption status. So for those of you who are listening, you will hear that word a lot throughout the podcast. It is simply saying, I have an idea, but I'm not quite ready to start an organization. And then you partner with someone that allows you to use their 501c3 tax exempt status. So you guys did that for a while. And then you decided, hey, I think we are ready to full-blown launch an organization. So even at that point, you guys, was thrift store where you thought you were going or was thrift store something that evolved out of a couple different things? Yeah, kind of all along the way, it has evolved in a way that we really didn't know what we were doing or where we were going. And that's (laughs) not false humility. We didn't know. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, we spent seven years with really no real organization. And then about seven years underneath another organization. And so then for the last, that's 14. So the last 10, 11 years Mm -hmm. as our own organization, tax exempt, nonprofit 501c3. And so it wasn't till about that point that thrift store, the idea of the thrift store came along. It was probably 11 or 12 years ago. And it was, uh, you know, it was kind of how everything in Potter's house has, has come. It's been an individual who has a dream or sees a little bit of Potter's house and wants to expound on it. It hasn't all come from my wife and I really very little of the ideas have come from us. We've just been able to fuel and, and help empower and encourage people. And so the thrift store was one of those. And somebody came and said, and I love what's going on at Potter's house. I think Northwest Arkansas is ripe for a thrift store. Can these be a blessing to one another? And Mm -hmm. that's what started the store, the stores. Uh, 12 years ago, something 11, 12 years ago. All right. So we're 12 years in, three stores in. And you said something really important was that a lot of the ideas came from people who started like volunteering and working with you and they saw the work and they had an idea and then you empowered them. And so one of those I immediately thought about was wet cement. And that is a preschool and that is a free preschool that you guys offer. And so for me, those types of things are like filling in a gap 
when you realize that there is a gap. So as you're filling in these gaps and you guys are growing and you're growing your staff, what was the moment where you were like, I cannot believe that me and my wife are like the founders of an organization that now has a preschool, that now has a thrift store, that now has small groups, leadership, a processing center with probably 80, 90 employees, like as a founder and a founder that didn't necessarily take the traditional route of knowing what you wanted when you started. What has been the aha moment for you to say like, God, thank you for using me in that way. I can't believe that this is actually what we've been able to manifest and unfold. Oh, that's a great question. When have been those moments? And I think there's distinct, beautiful moments of realizing, hey, Lord, thanks that we get to be involved in this. And and I would say some of those are some weddings, some graduations, maybe some baptisms, some sweet text messages from people. And again, all of those have been small markers in individuals' lives as opposed to, man, I'm look at the vastness of what we've been able to. Now, those things have hit me a couple of times. We're, we said 12 years, we're 11, 12 into the thrift store. We're really about 25 into the whole organization, mm-hmm. which is crazy. But at year 25, we do this at year 20, we do this thing called Potter's House Christmas every year. And we were surprised and honored with some pictures and things like that. And it was just a time that, man, some of the people from the very beginning honored my wife and I, and it was really humbling and really sweet. And so that was one of those. And then there's, you know, Potter's House Christmas is one of the events that we gather the majority of our people. And there's 750 people, there's a thousand people, something like that. And pretty much every year after that, there'll there'll be a couple people that just come up and say, man, do you realize what's going on? And I think outside of that, it's all little pockets. You go to the Fayetteville Thrift, it's a little pocket of Potter's House, or you go to here or there. And that once a year Potter's House Christmas is a big kind of reality of, man, look at what's happening. And a big part of that then does become, man, I'm I'm thankful to be a part of it. I think I still, I don't necessarily even see of, man, look, look what we've done just because it has been really so many people involved in, yeah. in, in what's happened. Yeah, that's cool. Cause Potter's House Christmas, I started the position December 1st mm-hmm. and Potter's House Christmas took over all of December and a little bit of January. And what I loved about it is one of the things that you guys do is there's no separation of a Potter's House family. So there is not a separation of, well, you're a donor or you attend small groups or you live on this side of town, you live on that side of town. Everybody's a Potter's House family and everybody gets Christmas gifts. So my son and I got a cool little bag and his favorite toy was this drone that he got and he played with them and I kept thinking man what does that do for everybody to say like my family's getting a gift at the end of the year from our Potter's House family and we had this great day at the Boys and Girls Club and of course COVID was still real so there were some mm-hmm. people that came in and some people that did drive through but the other thing I really enjoyed was that you guys had professional photographers that took pictures for families. I think that pictures are 
so beautiful. And when you can have them professionally done, it just screams another level of like someone cared, someone had value in this space. So Potter's House Christmas was fun. If you're in Fayetteville and you were thinking, man, I want something that I want to do. We are coming up on giving season mm-hmm. and Christmas. So you guys will be able to see a lot of links below for Potter's House, how to get involved with what they are doing in regards to the programs that they have. One of my biggest thoughts is how you really, really do life together. So the fact that we got a gift, whether we work there or not, that regardless of where the family came from, they received a gift. And when you say your mission is uh, building a bridge across socioeconomic and racial lines, that's what I see in the process in all of your program. The mission is to be a bridge across those things. And so we've created the programs and now you're bringing the families in. As you've done this, what has been one of the challenges you would say to get people to walk across the bridge or to get people to meet on the bridge to say like, hey, I live over here or I go to school here. How do we get to that bridge part of what we do? Because you've done a really, really great job of being a leader in a space where we're just wanting to be together, but we're wanting to be together and to be educated in the differences where we respect the differences and where people feel comfortable basically saying like, hey, I have some questions or I have some personal biases that I want to address. Like what has been one of your challenges and how did you like overcome that to get people to meet on the bridge? Well, I think a huge challenge and part of the reason it's a challenge is it's not happening. And part of the reason that's our mission is because we've seen something in the community that's not happening that we have found and we see is really, really important. So if you see something that's really important in the community and it's missing, then that leaves a space for probably you to say, hey, something needs to be done here. And so the challenge is people don't really want to be uncomfortable. They don't really want to engage with people that are different than them. They want to stay around people who have similar cultures and values. And so when you're asking people to go against that, it it's a huge <laughs> challenge. And or the other challenge, and, and I think the one of the biggest things for Potter's House that we will always be screaming and, and you've already addressed it, it comes out for those that are core and central to who we are. It hopefully it comes out really quick. But the challenge is helping uh it's a lot of times middle class to middle upper, and a lot of times it's majority culture, not feeling like I'm coming into this place to help to educate, to serve. And because what we're really trying to do is cross socioeconomic lines. So you're bringing Mm -hmm. people who are middle income with folks that are living in poverty. And just the natural thing that we normally do is we think, hey, I've got it all figured out and I could help you figure it out if you just listen to me, if you'd let me educate you on some things, if you'd let me teach you some things. And so I think the that would probably be the biggest challenge is overcoming that obstacle because what that does is it furthers the narrative. It can, not always, but it can further the narrative to someone that's living in poverty that they don't have things to offer. They might be less than It furthers the narrative with somebody in middle class that says, hey, I've got the answers and I I can figure it out. And it also is a barrier to a very natural, real relationship. And Mm -hmm. so I'm generalizing. Obviously, we have some wonderful people who come from both of those places. But I think that would be one of the biggest challenges as we try and educate people who 
want to get involved or they want their kids to get involved. So, mm-hmm. so we have some people who will say, Hey, I really want my kids to get involved. I want them to be around other kids that have less than them. So they'll realize how fortunate they are, which is a really big challenge for me. And again, we try and come at it that people are, we're all learning, we're all growing. And so for a parent that's coming from that perspective, what we want to say very full of grace and with a lot of patience is (laughs) if what you're trying to do, if you think the most that your kids can get from other children in the community that may be living in poverty is what your kids can realize is that they're more fortunate than somebody or they have things that that's the most they could get from looking at somebody else. Right. This person's just going to teach them that, man, you, you don't understand it because actually they're going to get in and realize there's kids that are unbelievably kind and patient and loving and hardworking and crazy intelligent. And your kids are going to learn all kinds of other stuff. So that's mm-hmm. where our patience, I think, comes in is, right. man, someone comes with this thing that may be a bias. They may not understand. And then they get in there like, oh, I totally blew that. I had no idea what was going on right. because I didn't know people that were different than me. And right. I believed a bunch of stereotypes. I think that would long windedly, that would uh, tell you kind of what the what one of the big challenges has been. Yeah, I don't think it's unique to where we are, unique to what we're doing. I think there's been a lot of books that have been written in terms of um, what does it look like when the majority comes into a minority neighborhood and decide this is what you need for it to be correct or to Mm -hmm. be right. And we have the answers. I remember uh, one time we were talking about how you guys wanted to have someone. I don't know if it was at um, the fundraiser, but you wanted this person to share their story. And you came from the space of not what they didn't have when you met them, but the space of their strengths, Mm -hmm. that this person was a hard worker, that this person was very resilient, that this person was smart. And so I really thought about that when I went home from when I met you, which was we don't want to continuously have the narrative that because someone comes from another side of town, because they're a person of color, because they don't have the same socioeconomic status, that we can't find a strength in what they do have. Because I feel like one of the things is watching our families like just evolve in the program, learning about families you guys have worked with for a while that have gone from point A to point B. And they've done that in a way that brings value and dignity to them. That's a big thing for me in this space, which is how do we serve but serve with dignity? If we went back 25 years, I had some bad perspectives Mm -hmm. 25 years ago that I've learned now. And if we ever hold people to you better be fully educated. Mm-hmm. You better be fully to the place that I think you should be or that I am. Man, we're just, we're missing it. Right. We, we, we got to be at the place of, especially if someone's open to learn and grow and listen. Now, mm-hmm. it's a different deal when someone's, they're dug in and they're not going to listen. I mean, that okay. That's May- it. I'm going to let the good yep. Lord do that and I'm going to do <laughs> Maybe a different approach. Yeah. Right? Yep. But one of the things you said was willingness. Mm-hmm. Um, and today on Instagram, I saw a video where someone talked about when you're growing. And when you're growing, people will notice that you're growing. They'll notice that there's some behavior changes. There's some language changes. There's just a lot of growth that people yeah. can see. And instead of shaming them because they aren't where you want them to be, it's like, let's take them on this journey. So when you think about the journey that you've taken yourself on, your family on, you've taken your close friends on, that is probably like looking back like, man, this is who we were 25 years ago and look where we've come and look how this has been. And so that for me, I think through 
not knowing Potter's House 25 years ago, knowing when I came on board, looking at the things that were important to me, looking at your board, looking at your staff, looking at those things to know like, all right, now where are we in the spectrum? What are we doing? I felt like you didn't even know how far you all were in the space, considering where we live, considering just a ton of things because it's nature of the beast. But you also send out a newsletter and it's called Listen, Learn and Do. So I feel like you take the approach to let's have some action. So tell us how you go from like, hey, this is what's going on. We're going to give you grace and we're going to work with you to learn some of your biases. And then I'm going to encourage you and then I'm going to challenge you to do three things, to learn how to be in this space and be in this space with an open heart, to learn and willingness to serve. So how did that come about? Yeah, you summed that up really well because, I mean, I think in essence, who Potter's House is, is action and it's relationships. And so for years and years and years, we would talk about uh, being this bridge through relationships. And this would be one of the learnings o- over time, realizing maybe there is something else that's needed within relationships at times, maybe not always, but there's some education, there's some background, there's some, we talk about cultural competency type of stuff that that could help you because maybe without some of that, you could impact a relationship negatively. And, and it goes both ways. I mean, when you're Coming into a room, I remember I took a trip to India years ago. And before we went, there were some basic things that we had to learn going into another culture in order to build relationships. And so similarly, I think there are some things we have to learn. So the listen, learn, do is it's that. I mean, when a lot of the when George Floyd was killed, when there was a lot of just talk and understanding about what's going on or lack of understanding. One of the things we committed to do is, hey, we're going to, it's not just going to be a flash in the pan. And we don't believe, I mean, we think this is work we've been doing even before that, but the listen, learn, do was a way that we could stay in front of our audience and not only invite them to participate in our programs, but also, hey, here's a book that we think would be important. Here's a yeah, here's a podcast to listen to. Here's a movie that we think has come out. Here's something that's going on in the school board. Here's something that's going on in our city. Here's a monument that's going up. And this is the weekend that you could go down and learn about lynchings that happened here in Fayetteville. Wow. Okay. We think, we think this is important. And we've heard from so many people just from that listen, learn, do that have said, I love that you keep that in front of us. Another email that we send out is uh, we want to introduce you to. Mm -hmm. And we just interview one of the people that's within the Potter's House family. Mm -hmm. And they just answer like 15 or 20 questions. And we've had people that have said, it's so good because I wouldn't have gotten to know somebody. I wouldn't have gotten to know this person or somebody like that. And it causes me to want to get to know people. And so I think those two things marry really well of it causes you to want to know people and it causes you to go out and learn more maybe on your own because Mm -hmm. learning on your own can help you when you come to these relationships. How do we create these spaces, these places that different cultures can come and nobody's got the upper hand. Nobody's mm-hmm. teaching the other one. But we're all sitting at lunch together and we're all going to laugh and we're all going to enjoy mm-hmm. it. And through that, we're going to build a relationship that hopefully lasts 
one, three, five, 10, 20 years. So when you talk about relationships and you talk about that being the core of who we are and what we do, what would your encouragement be to someone who says, I want a meaningful relationship with an organization. I want to be committed in the space of something like a potter's house. How would you encourage them to get started? Because you don't get started and you say, I'm going to do 10 years. You get started and you say, I'm going to get through this this day. I'm going to get through this week. I'm going to get through this month. What has caused so much success in keeping people for such a great length of time? I think one of the biggest things is lower the expectations of of what you think the relationship is going to be. I mean, just let it be a friendship. And we see some of the relationships break down because someone says, oh, I want to help you get blank. I want to help you get to college. I want to help you get a good job. I want to help you get out of poverty. And it's and if my expectations aren't met and you're not doing what I think, then the relationship's going to break down. And mm-hmm. as opposed to going, hey, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to get to know you. I want to be friends. Uh, Let's learn about each other. And I think when you do that, then you you find a commonality and then you can kind of grow from there. I think it's also finding a space that that relationship is can live in in a safe way. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to just go knock on somebody's door that you don't know and go, hey, let's. Let's have a relationship. And you don't have touch points throughout the week. Whereas if you go, hey, I see Ty three, four times a week. Mm-hmm. And now your son goes to the same school that my daughter is going to go to school. Well, okay, now I'm going to see. I mean, we've got a lot of touch points throughout time mm-hmm. that is is going to be great. And so the young man that he's got a daughter, my daughter's age. I mean, we saw each other regularly. He was in small groups. So I'd see him at least once a week if not multiple times. And so I just think we've got to get into a place that these relationships aren't extra add-on things. If your son's on a soccer team, figure out if you can get another family that you'd really like to go. Hey, how about y'all join the soccer team? Or how about my son goes and joins your soccer team? And then we can get on this natural Mm -hmm. flow I think we've got to make our rhythm of life just because the reality is it's too hard. We're all too busy. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's hard if it's a if it's something outside of my normal rhythm. It's really hard to keep up with with that if there's not a natural crossover. Yeah, some intentionality, yeah. too. Yep. There was something that said we all, like, all between church, home, school, play, we probably all live within, like, a 20-mile, 15-mile radius of the mm-hmm. thing. And that's all we do yeah. right there yeah. is where you go to yep. church, you go to the same grocery store, yep. and it's like— by the time you do the same thing every day, five days a week on the weekends, you're, you know, you're just doing whatever. So that was a reminder that there are so many other things that are so close, yet so far away for all of us as we experience that. So thank you for sharing how you got started. Absolutely. Um, thank you for sharing how we can all be intentional with our relationships. People capital is greater than mm-hmm anything that we could ever have. And so I think as we learn that across the spectrum to say um, everybody's valuable, not just the people who give the money that I'm thinking, you know, as our our 
sponsors, supporters, donors, but the people who are in our programs, the people who we value, the people who we know have talents and gifts as well. And thank you for sharing the part about having the willingness and openness that as you guys have given people grace, that as you've learned yourself, what that looks like and feels like, how to help someone do that. And I think the newsletter is a beautiful thing. I look and they're definitely things I'm like oh I've never heard of this person and I want to watch that and I want to see that so I still find that to be educational for me even on staff Mm -hmm. so I think as I listened to you what I heard you basically say was start with what you have you guys didn't start with all the answers you started with the desire to serve and you did that and you did it well and people came on board And people have ideas Mm -hmm. and you guys were able to get those ideas into play. So you grew to a preschool, small groups, uh, thrift stores, and we will link all of the thrift store social media in the notes once we put the podcast up. And then you also talked about how you are simply showing up for people. And you're showing up for people to do life with them. Um, What I love is that on Monday mornings, anybody that has needed prayer, we go through prayer together. We put those families on a board and we sit down and we spend time doing that. And so we're doing life in a way that when you're happy, we're happy with you. Mm -hmm. When you're going through, we're going through with you. And so I really, really love that. So as we think about what's next for Potter's House, what is, you've been doing this 25 years. This year is 25. You're 25. quarter of a century, if my math is right. (laughs) So what does the next, we don't have to say 25, but if you had to put it out there today. It might be the same answer, whether you say one or 25, but go ahead and answer and and ask your question. We're going to do what's the, what's year 25 look like for you and what do you want it to to bring, to finish? What do you want people to know about Potter's House as we venture into year 25? Well, I think... The main thing for me is, and that's why I said it's the same answer, whether it be one year or 25 years Mm -hmm. is, and I don't want to over spiritualize it, but I want to make it really what it is. And that's, we've always wanted Potter's House to be squarely where Jesus wants it to be. And we had no idea that it was going to be a preschool. We had no idea it was going to be thrift stores. We had no idea that it was going to be a leadership program or small group. We didn't know any of that. And so... I don't ever want to get to the place where, oh, now I know what the Mm, community needs. Oh, now, now I get it. Now I've got dreams. I mean, I got dreams of preschool accessibility for everybody that, that works, that any of our employees that Mm. man, they could, when you sign up to work with us, we're going to make sure preschool is affordable and accessible. I got dreams of more education stuff that we do. I got dreams of uh, more and more for people to really understand the ethos of Jesus. I mean, I'm, I love Jesus. And I think we've just done a poor job, a lot of us at representing who he is and the way he loves and the way he cares and how he wants things to work. And so I'm excited about that. I'm. I want more and more of our students that when they graduate, I, maybe it's college, maybe it's other jobs. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's that's fun. I can't wait to see more and more of our people and these relationships continue to form. I'd love to see a fourth store. You know, we have three thrift stores now. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see a more programs that are squarely where. 
our people need. So there's lots of things that, that I dream of. Uh-huh. What does this next year look like? And we've got a strategic plan and all that yeah, kind of stuff. Talking, yeah, we've but got all the real stuff. we got all this. But it's, like, you know, it's on the path. You know, yeah. it's what the Lord has said. You're like, I just, I want to get this done year 25. I think, honestly, it is to celebrate the 25 years well. I mean, I, I want, because I think that would, in essence, if we do that well, it is not celebrating Sean and Anita. It's celebrating those, whether it be key families or people all along the way that have made Potter's House what it is. And so yeah. if we celebrate that year 25 well, we've celebrated the Lord in the midst of that and mm-hmm. families and relationships. And we've gone, okay, that's a good 25. That's a good 25. Come on. Here Come we on, go. Come on, 26. Yes, Let's do it. We've yeah, done it. Yeah. I like that. Yep. So that sounds like y'all have got some money to raise uh, for your 25 is what it sounds like. For us to do another 25 years, there, there's some money to raise. And uh, you get to do that with your job. <laughs> you and I are linking up and doing that. And it's really fun. It, it's fundraising can be hard and whatever. And it can be really fun. I mean, I love going to a group of people and going, hey, we'd love for you to get involved in Potter's House. Mm -hmm. Write a check. Awesome. Donate a couch. Awesome. Volunteer. Awesome. I mean, any of those things are a blessing, but it would be really neat to see the celebration of 25 years of a neat, uh, exciting amount of generosity to come around and watch Potter's House be in a really good situation to launch out into the next next? 25 years or whatever's next. I love it. So, yeah. So I thank you for coming. Now, before we leave, if there was anything that anybody could do for Potter's House right now, if you were to say, how could they help? I know that we just launched the Springdale Tornado Relief Fund. If you don't know, in March, we had our tornado in Northwest Arkansas. And so we have just partnered with a couple of people and we are going to support those families in the rebuild. So that's one thing that people can support right now. Um, You've heard that we're getting ready for 25. But what would you ask anybody to say or do like right now that could help Potter's house? Yeah, I go uh, really practical all, all the way up and really practical home goods for the thrift stores. If you're here in Northwest Arkansas, donate home goods to the thrift store would be huge. There, there's They're flying off the shelves. So we need more and more of that. Uh, we're coming up to the fall. So mm-hmm. We need lots of volunteers to do what we do. And then, so those real practical all the way up to, yeah, we we need financial resources to continue Mm -hmm. to do what we're doing. And that, I say we need, of of course we need, but I think vision drives giving more than need. Mm -hmm. And so we need absolutely, but we want people to understand who we are and to get involved. And so if that's given on our website, www.phnwa.com, and you can see the donate on there, but uh, we'd love to sit down and just communicate, hey, here's who Potter's House is, and you can get involved in lots of ways. And so we think we become a stronger community the more people that know about who we are and what we do and want to get involved in a litany of ways. Yeah. So one the slogan that we use here is we help people unlock the magic of sharing their time, talent, and treasure. Okay. And that's because the word philanthropy has always, not always, but it has been used primarily for people who are giving big chunks of money. Mm. Um, and so you just gave us ways that we could share our time, which is you said we need people to do what we do. Our treasure, if you have funds, if that's what you consider your treasure, mm. whatever you consider 
Um, and then any talent that you have. We have a preschool. If you love teaching, you think you want to do that. If you love teenagers, you we have small van. groups. If you can drive a van, you can do that. If I can do the 15 passenger, y'all, <laughs> I promise you can do the 15 passenger. So we have tons of opportunities and we'll put links in the show notes so that you guys can visit the website, learn about Sean and uh, learn about Potter's House and the work that we're doing. So Sean, I think that does it. We told them all about us, what we're doing, how they can help. Number one is down. You number, did it. Number one is done. I mean, I'm kind of biased because, you know, I'm in here for the first, but uh-huh. I'm going to listen to this podcast. You're, th- I love seeing <laughs> you. This is awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. So y'all, he did it for me. This has been the first episode of the United Philanthropy Podcast. I'm Ty Odom, your host. Thank you so much to Sean Schwartzman for joining me. And you guys are here for me in another two weeks. Woot woot to Ty. Way to go. Have a great day, guys. 25 years, Ty Podcast. It's going to happen. This is the first. That's the first. All right. You guys heard it here first. Here we go. (laughs) Have a good day, y'all. Bye. 